Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine, and we're here today with the wonderful and uh, very cool Mary Agnes Antonopoulos. How you doing, Mary Agnes? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, J.W., my favorite person. <laughs> well, you know, we've been friends, gosh, I can't even, how many years? Four? Four years? Three? I don't remember. Four or five, maybe, yeah. Um, and we... Well, we haven't talked in a while, but we used to talk all the time, and we've done projects together and had some fun together, and, and I see you at different places, and it's, it's, it's all been great. But, you know, I've never had you on um, my program, and which is a serious uh, miscalculation and screw-up on my part to not have you on, first of all. But a lot of people may not even know you, and that's funny because uh, I, I think you're probably one of the more, most connected and best well-known behind-the-scenes social media, I hate to say guru, but social media, I will say strategist uh, for um, uh, top companies and top people in the industry. And so I am really honored and really excited to get you on today so I can introduce you to all my friends. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I... I like working with uh, my tribe and small groups of people, and it just doesn't leave a lot of time to go out and build your own brand and get the recognition. So I've always kept that second, you know, the shoemaker's kids. I mean, much more importantly, <laughs> help get your brand out and that of the people in my tribe than my own, for sure. Well, I really appreciate you coming on because you're who I go to when I have questions. So it's so great to have you on so that we can kind of, like, dig into the whole social media thing a little bit and, and get some really great answers from you. And I think what we want to do, what we, we've talked about talking about today and we're going to make the main topic, and that's video. It's the hot thing. Everybody hears how hot it is and how great it is. We're going to tie video together with what you're doing out there on Facebook and your blog and everything else and uh, Google SEO. But before we do that, I wanted to just kind of jump into the whole social media fray with you. Sure. Um, you're an expert. I'm going to introduce you real quick so people know who you are. If people don't know you already, like I said, you're a well-known social media strategist the 25-year-plus years. Um, of course, you started when you were nine. Um, <laughs> you've, de- <laughs> you've designed like 50-plus successful. We're not, too, you know, we're not talking about screwed up. We're talking about 50-plus successful social media branding campaigns for um, clients, including like uh, Midas, Panera Bread, Jack Canfield, Libby Gill, um, Christine, our old friend Christine Comerford, AT&T, Kelly Richards, um, Irene Cara, the uh, the actress. I mean, on and on and on. And the companies, I mean, there's a lot of companies I haven't mentioned here and everything. Um, but you're a sought-after YouTube coach, a podcast producer. You've spoken, you're, you're a major speaker at, at uh, social media events. You're sought after by social media people in the know. It gives me Everybody out there who, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you're sitting there going, who is that? And does that mean? <laughs> well, it is, actually. But anyway, so you, you've done so much stuff. And, I mean, you're uh, blog, talk, radio. Uh, and there's that, nothing that you don't touch in some way or shape or form. I mean, you're really good at, uh, you know, building groups and everything. And Facebook, I could go on and on. Here's the deal. Here's the big question everybody wants to know. How much time, if I'm in a, a, a business, how much time should I be spending? Should I be spending 90% of my time in social media for my marketing and all my stuff? Or, or is 25% enough? Or, you know, what am I doing here? You know, I think the truth is if you're going to run a really successful marketing effort through social media, you know, I would like somebody to spend 10 to 12 hours a week on it. But I don't know if any of us have 10 to 12 hours a week to devote to social media. And that doesn't mean your personal stuff, just for your business and your brand. Right. The most important thing I've been trying to teach people recently, I just spoke at the New York Expo in New York City, and the thing I've been teaching is the four-hour social media week where you – define exactly what you're going to do. So you spend the first 10 minutes just, what am I going to do this week? And it looks like a tree where you multipurpose your content through all the branches of your tree. 
Mm-hmm. So today I would love to talk about how video fits into that tree and, you know, why four hours a week will work if you if you get it right. You've got to just be disciplined to do nothing else those four hours. But it's actually much easier to create content for four or five spaces with video than people realize. Well, that's good to know because I know that I take my content and I take it and I'll work it. Sometimes I'll do a podcast, work it into a video, make it an iTunes podcast. You know, you can make it... You can make it into text. You can do. You can take one piece of content and make it into multiple things. That's right, and and not in a not in a cheating way. You know, we know that people right. learn in different capacities. They there are some people learn by viewing, some learn by listening, some learn by reading. So it's perfectly valid to put the same content out in three different ways. And if you think of it like a river branching off in different directions, you know, the core of that river, the main stream, would either be your blog or your vlog, your video blog. So, you know, having a great video that starts the trunk of that tree, you know, the branch of that river, is a really good thing to do. It's a great place to start. Okay, give us an example of just take a, a fictitious piece of content. and Sure. You know, when I teach social media, I mean, it can be pretty overwhelming to just teach it by podcast or even by blog with how-to instructions. Videos are a great sure. place to teach anything, especially if somebody's on a Mac. They can do it through ScreenFlow. But... You know, if I go on to video and I teach a three-minute tip on LinkedIn and I show it, that's a great space. That's a great, you know, YouTube space to teach that. YouTube is the mm-hmm. number, one, number one place for people to go for how-to anything. Yes. Google for how-to. So any place where we're teaching any of our expertise, whether we're bankers, you know, how to move money successfully or how to play the cello, you know, anything we do, YouTube is a great place if we're teaching any piece of that. And then you can just copy the code out. And JW and I were just talking about, you know, how do you not lose your blog followers to your YouTube channel? (laughs) Right. Right. If you copy the share code, the HTML code, to your blog so that the YouTube video feeds through, that is a great way to populate your blog without any work. You know, you just made this rockin' YouTube video, and then you copy the code over to your blog. But when people find it on Google, the first place that comes up is the YouTube video, not the blog. Right, and, and this is what we were, we were talking about this because I had the issue where I wanted people to go to my blog, but then if I left it open on YouTube, they would search, and if, of course it gives me wonderful SEO for the YouTube uh, right. for, form of the video. And so then I didn't get the eyeballs, and, and I love what you say. Go ahead and tell me what you told me. So there's a couple of things you can do, and I'm just going to tell you two of them. One is when you post the YouTube video, Copy the HTML code, post it to your blog so it's feeding through. Write a few sentences on your blog using your keywords. I mean, keywords are still important even though they're not as heavily weighted any longer. You know, use right. keywords in a three-sentence description of the video on your blog. Then take the link for that, that specific blog, not your whole blog, that chapter, that little, um, that little copy of your blog. You know, hit the title and grab that URL. Go back to YouTube, and in the description, add that link, the first word of the description. So when you Google it and it comes up, even though YouTube may be the first thing they see, you know, we know that the Google description comes up under the video. So you'll get a video, and you'll get 15 or 20 words of the description. The very Mm -hmm. first characters are the link to your blog. And you know why I love this so much? Because it's what I already do. I already realized the first three, I think it's the first two or three lines of the description, without you hitting show more, um, come up on every YouTube video. And that's where I always put my link to back to my blog. That's right. So if you even, if you've got any videos out there at all and you Google your name, the videos come up first because of the way Google has changed the algorithm for search. So right. we all know that in order to come up in the first couple pages of search, you used to need an SEO person. You used to really have to be an expert at search engine optimization or pay somebody. So there are some great experts out there, some great companies that do it. But now Google changed the algorithm, so it's more of an even playing field. They really mm-hmm. don't like that companies like Orange Soda, SEO experts, 
could cheat, quote unquote, cheat their way their, for their clients to hit the first page of Google. What really happened is the normal guy could never be found. Now right. they've changed the algorithm so the social grid comes up first. So your YouTube, your Google+, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, all those things will be the first things that come up when somebody searches you or your expertise if you've gotten your keywords together properly. So it's still somewhat keyword-driven, but especially your name. It's going to pull up all your social grid material first. Anything with video is going to come up at the top of that list. So we all want to be banging out great videos, and the reason this is the truth is that Google owns YouTube. So like Apple has this weird thing where they're boycotting all of Google's spaces, it make, Apple makes it harder for you to access their spaces through the iPod and um, iPad. Google marries their material through their own spaces. So we want to put videos on YouTube, on Google+. Even if we're not using Google+, as a social network, we do want to use it for SEO purposes. We want our Google+, to come up in a search. Well, let me ask you this, because somebody just recently, another really, really well-known, um, one of the top ten bloggers uh, in the United States just told me, you need to be putting your stuff on Google+. Don't let anybody tell you Google+, is dead or gone or going away. Uh, Google owns Google+, you need your stuff up there. But let me ask you this question, because you understand it really well. Um, so you want to hook, hook it up and, and put it out to public, not necessarily all your friends, right? That's right. I mean, what this really is is a public branding effort. So my friends and my clients, my colleagues know how to find me. They go to Facebook and they find me. But the idea right. is to find the people who don't know you. So if you've got really great social presence, especially in the Google spaces, you start to come up ahead of everybody else in your industry. So yes. here's a little trick that I learned. YouTube, their search engine is title-driven. So if your name isn't in the title of your YouTube videos, if someone searches your name, your videos don't come up. Mm-hmm. The title drives the search engine of YouTube. So I decided to put best speaker in all the titles of all my videos because I like speaking and I want to do more. So, <laughs> right? So I just put best speaker. Yeah. I, put my, I put my pride and my... Um, you know, my worry about grandiosity aside, I put it all aside and I just went for success, which is best speaker, Mary Agnes Antonopoulos, in all my videos. Well, now, if you, I don't know if it's still true, but if you go and you type best speaker NYC in Google, I'm the one who comes up because all of my videos have that and videos, video is so heavily weighted in the YouTube algorithm for search. Right. So anything you really, really want to be found by, like social strategists, that has to go in all the titles of all my videos. When okay, let me let me back up a little a second because you keep bringing it up, and I wanted I do want to run over it really quick, and that is keywords. You mentioned, of course, that keywords are not as heavily weighted as they used to be, but a couple things, a couple questions that people ask all the time are, you know, I. Yeah, I'm told that keywords are not as strong as they used to be in the meta portion of uh, things, but uh, they're they're more heavily weighted maybe in the text of my document. Uh, is that true, and should we be putting more in the text and not worrying so much about the meta tags? That's right. So you're talking about the meta tagging, and that's been the real issue that we could go into the back of our websites and meta tag the heck out of keywords. Google changed it. That doesn't work anymore. Because social grid will come up first, it's hard to fake it. There's no tagging, meta tagging. So you'll have to be using your keywords for real in content. They'll have to be in the titles or the descriptions of your videos. And to put them in videos, right, you have to use them in your blog. You have to use them on your Facebook page. And, And it's all about new content. That's why Social Grid is so valuable. We can't just go into our website once a month and move the keywords around and get the, get the click, get the, the, the prize, so to speak. You have to be creating new content, and now we have to be creating it on Social Grid for it to be valuable. When you, you keep seeing Social Grid, what is Social Grid? So the Social Grid is really all of the social media spaces, and that isn't just the big three. So Google considers the following to be social spaces. 
It's any platform. It's basically Web 2.0, where any platform that you're working on is owned by a different player and it's got interaction with others. So the social right. grid, the grid itself is Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. YouTube is considered a social network as far as social grid. Sure. Um, Google Plus. I'm sorry, I have a whole list of them in my head, and now they're on uh, my. Well, there's, there's, there's smaller ones. There's Flickr, and there's That's those. Uh, Tumblr. Instagram. Instagram. Pinterest. Um, Viddy. Pinterest, absolutely. And they change, right? We know that some right. of them become hot and some of them get cold. So my sure. face is cold, but it's coming back. So it's it's got a heavy warm now. Pinterest is really hot. I think it's going to fall off a little bit. Amazon. Amazon is actually a social grid element. Yeah. So actually, I've got to... So my stuff that I put in eight years ago on Amazon still shows up. That's absolutely true. So these spaces, anywhere where we can add content and other people can like it or comment on it, is considered a piece of your social grid. Blogs, mm-hmm. radio, um, any of those spaces where people can like it or say, hey, great audio, you know, these are important pieces of our social grid. And then it's really what we do with it. The grid has to be in place. But what are we going to do with our grid? What are we going to put out there to be meaningful so people are commenting and liking it? Right. No, that's great. Also, the other thing that I just read on recently because uh, I was reading on how to get your article picked up, and one of the things I found was that they say um, you need to do more linking in your in your story. You can, I do a lot of... I do a lot of story uh, in my blog, and I do a lot of original content, but I get lazy about doing links in my content so that you can go other places. And, um, you know, before I think I used to blame it on the fact, well, I don't want people going to somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, But I keep hearing more and more that they want you to have links in your your content. Is that true or not? Well, there's a series. I mean, the first theory is that if I link to you, you're going to link back to me. That's a backlink. That's one right. thing. But the other reason is it just lends validity to your content. So it's not only right. me. You're actually citing another expert or you're citing a place or you're citing, you know, go to this video. The really great thing is if you link to your own stuff, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> right. You'll get the win, but you'll also get the end user. So if you link them back to a video you did a year ago, or your LinkedIn profile to see a slide share uh, PowerPoint that you have on there, or you link them to your Facebook group to see a discussion going on. I mean, if you link to your own stuff, it's just a win-win-win. The other cool thing is if you link to experts in your industry, I mean, the chances of being recognized by those experts are pretty high. Yes, that's good. That's a good point. So, um, again, uh, video has the best SEO. Uh, you should be putting uh, videos up uh, on YouTube, and you should be linking to them or embedding them uh, in your sites. And um, one of the things we never, we rarely talk about, or I, I brought up, but we haven't really got into, uh, and that is time. Um, how can you? How can you make? Videos take a lot of work. Uh, text is, you know, pretty easy. Podcast takes a, a little bit more time. And, of course, videos take not only equipment, uh, they also take up a lot of space on your hard drive with the big files, uh, especially since people want high def more and more. Um, and people do do want a little bit of editing in there. They don't really – people seem to be moving away from the crappier videos and wanting more and more better videos. Is, is any of this true, or can you make a crappy video and still get play? You know, I think the how-to videos, we really don't have to be experts at this. Oh, okay. One thing, that, one thing that we know is that you can put some pretty good edits in in a really easy way. But if you're a good speaker and you've got even an iPhone – I think you can create a fairly usable video, get it out on YouTube, and get a lot of views just because you're providing great content. So mm-hmm. editing can be as distracting as it is attracting, depending on what you're teaching. So if you've got a music video or you've got you know, commentary on anything artistic, you might want editing. But I think in how-to, I just want somebody to show me the how-to. I don't even want an intro. So 
The way that I teach people to do video in my coaching is I tell them to do the two-minute tip of the day to build their brand. And the two-minute tip of the day does not have an intro. There's no, like, video as you come in. (laughs) That doesn't really brand you unless you've got a big brand. I have me. So it's better if just me starting out. So it's like, hey, this is Mary Agnes from Viral Integrity, Rockaway Writer. And then I'll tell them my website, and then I'll tell them what I want them to know. So in the first 15 seconds, I'm into my content. It's really easy to have an intro that lasts 15 seconds, and you lose your audience. So if you just start off with who you are and you're into your content really fast, if somebody's looking for a how-to, they're not going to click away to somebody else. You know, if in 15 seconds I'm giving the how-to, it's likely I'm going to keep them. So I think amateur video is okay for how-to. If you're doing one of the, you know, Brenda Burchard-style 10-minute content, you know, really value-added, right. you need some editing because it's too long for just you to hold the eye, hold the camera. It's just too long. But if you're doing three minutes, if you're in and you're out, that's okay. That's doable. So mm-hmm. If you go, so let's talk about the quick two or three minute tip of the day and then how you use it in 12 different ways or whatever to make it useful. So, hey, this is Mary Agnes Antonopoulos from Viral Integrity, Rockaway Writer. And I'm going to tell you today two minutes on how to make YouTube your best friend. Choose what you're going to talk about and don't script it. Write four bullet points so that you just hit those bullet points. You know your material. You probably don't need to be scripted, and a script is distracting. But if you have four bullet points off to the side, you can just look at the bullet points you want to hit, and it'll keep you on track. So that's how do you make your video. Do those four bullet points. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say you make your YouTube video, and then you're going to put it out as a YouTube video. Remember, your name needs to be in the title, and the most important key phrases like, for me, it's best speaker, and social strategist. For JW, Mm. we would have different ones. All of us would have a different set of words, but use them on every video so that they're searchable and a win on YouTube, which is title-driven search. Then, copy the code out to your own blog. So then you have a vlog, a video blog, with no extra time. It'll take about four minutes to totally copy it, put it on your blog, title and tag it on your blog also. Then, Hit the share button on your blog and share it with your LinkedIn groups. Again, that'll take about four minutes. Then, (laughs) don't just share it on Facebook. Don't just click the share button. Go back to YouTube and click the share button there to Facebook. Why that? Well, it's got better SEO, and it's better than sending them to your blog. You do want some weight on YouTube. You do want some views over there. And people will click from Facebook out to your YouTube to see it there. It's a real win. The more views you have on YouTube, the higher you are in their search engine. So that's mm-hmm. why I always say go back to the YouTube video and share it from that space, not from your blog. The reason we share it from your blog to LinkedIn groups is that's how that share function works. Right. Share it from the YouTube space to Twitter, and you can actually automate your YouTube videos to share automatically on Facebook and Twitter. Very easy. So those could be set up automatically and save you even the four minutes. Then, <laughs> oh, that, that's cool. Then, yeah. go ahead. Then download the video from YouTube so it's on your hard drive. You can delete it later and upload it to your blog talk radio channel. So if you've got a podcast you're using, video can live there as well. Likewise, Set up a space on Google Places. You have to Google it to find it. It's a little difficult. And add five (laughs) videos there. You will see yourself climb in your area of expertise like nobody's business because Google Places is owned by Google, (laughs) as are those YouTube videos. Google owns YouTube. So put it there and watch your SEO just climb, climb, climb. Okay, let me ask, Blogspot Radio, uh, I know they have a free and they have a paid for. I know you do the paid for because you have a really great show there. Um, do, do, will, will it work for if you're, you're not paying? Yeah, it's really effective and it's really inexpensive. You can do a half-hour show every single day that isn't pre-recorded. And it's got to be public and you, let's see, let me think what else, what other restrictions. You can't dump 
audio content. If you do the paid version, I could take this audio between you and I, and I could dump the content in there and have a show. Sure. The unpaid version, you have to do them live. But all of them on your profile page, you can host a video. And that's really good for your search engine optimization. So people find you in a Google search. That's basically it. Wow, that's cool. It's really cool. Share all your videos on Google+. I mean, you can really make video almost your entire social campaign now, and it's very interesting to people. You still want to do some verbal blogging, but if you're really not great pen-to-page, you can have your videos transcribed by very many inexpensive transcription services. Fox Transcribe is one. For a dollar a minute, they'll send you the transcription of your video. Then all you have to do is clean it up, and you have your written blog. <laughs> there you go. There you so that's, really, that's way cool. So what about Facebook in that mix? I know G, G Plus obviously gives you more SEO. Um, how about uploading it to uh, Facebook? Is that good or does it matter? Well, you can upload it to Facebook manually, but you can also preset your YouTube commands. If you go into your settings, to your, you go to settings and then share, you can tell it to automatically share it on Facebook. And that's mm. what, I mean, such an easy win. Then every time you upload a YouTube video, it'll automatically share it over to Facebook. Like to me, that's a that is a four-hour social media tip. You don't have to do anything to hit your other spaces. Oh yeah, that's great. That's a great way to go. Do you, have you ever used any of the services out there, like OnlyWire, or you know, services that share all your stuff at one time? I have, but I really like to, I guess I'm a control freak a little bit. I really like to keep control over how things are being shared. For instance, my blogs. I really like to have my blogs set up by me, not just shared automatically. Here's the reason why. If it's shared automatically, my written blogs with Facebook, then mm -hmm. okay, it's automatically shared. But I like to go in and share my blogs on Facebook as a note. Because if I cut and copy, if I copy and paste the content of the blog to Facebook as a note, and then I tag all my friends, it shows up on their profile walls. Yes, I see that happening a lot more now. Yep. Do so do your friends get upset at that at all, or there's no, no big I'm deal? Careful. I'm careful and I'm respectful, so it's not something I want to do every week to you, right? I wouldn't want to every single week tag you. That's annoying, but. If it's something about social media, I mean, definitely I could tag you. We're good friends as long as I'm not abusive or overusing your – because it comes up on your profile wall. So it has to be really pertinent to you. If I mention right. you in it as another expert in the space, all the better. I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to back up for a second because you mentioned uh, sending to all your groups on LinkedIn. Now, I'm not su suspecting you necessarily get more, a lot more SEO for this, though some of the open groups will, will be indexed by uh, Google and Bing and Yahoo. Um, I don't know if it gives you too much more SEO. On the other hand, um, it is a little-known secret uh, that I think they allow you 50 groups. And if you were to choose uh, specific, some groups have hundreds of thousands of people in each group. So when you share over to 50 groups over on, if you share to 50 groups and all of them had 100,000 apiece, look how many people you're sharing to in one, one little shot. That's right. You can reach 100,000 people without even a list. So, I mean, right. it's just a no-brainer to be sharing with your groups. The important thing, I think, is to find the right groups. So a lot of us yeah. will automatically choose um, groups where our peers live. Like as a writer, I would choose other writers. But that's mm -hmm. really dumb. <laughs> it's like so dumb because, you know, I mean, writers aren't going to hire me to write. So now I'm really careful to go where my best clients are. And my best clients are not just entrepreneurs, but venture cap firms, private equity firms. They're all still fully funded. So when I think about where my best people are on LinkedIn, I don't go to the writers' groups. I go to the business groups. No, that makes sense. I tell people that all the time. If you're a CPA and you're looking for business, don't go to a CPA association meetings. <laughs> go to small business, small businessman meetings, and uh, you know, uh, and meet your businessmen there. Those are your clients. Absolutely. And the other thing is, 
it's a really great tip that you can use LinkedIn groups. But um, as a as the owner of two very large LinkedIn groups, super groups, uh, I will tell you that yours yours are the first ones I'm going to knock off if you're not uh, respectful of my users. If you're just going to go smash my uh, you know smash your promotions into my group. Um, I'm probably going to get rid of you if I see you do it too often. Yeah. So you got to be very respectful. I don't even think we should be promoting ourselves to those groups. I think we should just share great content and be useful to the other members. Exactly. It's, you're right. Well, yeah, it's tough sometimes. Some of the owners of the groups, uh, you believe it's good content. They don't know. Like you, you were talking about an author group. Um, I might share with an author. I just spoke to uh, this wonderful, uh, this wonderful best-selling author about her book, and then I'll come back. The head of the author group will tell me, "Oh, this is author speaking about authors." Are authors speaking about how they get their books out. They don't care about anybody else's books, so please go away. And it's like, what? I, I would think that you would like that because you're an author group. Mm-hmm. I will so, I mean, you that. have to – every owner is different. I mean, you have to be very – yeah, just have to be very respectful. And you know, I mean, if you keep some notes in a notebook, if you keep a page on LinkedIn groups, there's always somebody who just didn't like what you posted. Just drop always. it you'll join a different one. You know, I'm in right. mommy groups because I teach social media to women like me who are reentering the workplace and they want to do this for a living. So I do that, and I, I put out tons of stuff just to support them. I never mean to sell anything. I don't, that isn't really my business model. So I'll have some mommy groups that say, hey, you're self-promoting. So I said, geez, I'm really sorry. I definitely won't do it again. And I know I won't because I dropped the group. The sole purpose for me to be in groups is to put out great content and build my brand, right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily to sell or market. It's just to keep building my brand. And if that person doesn't find my content valuable, well, somebody else will. So, you know, just if somebody asks you not to promote things, if, as long as you're not being very self-serving, then just find a different group. Okay. Now, this is a great question for you because you've worked with so many people out there that do heavy, that do heavy promotions, by the way, yep. uh, and you run and you run their their campaigns. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, we were we're all being told that you know. Uh, if you're putting out really great content, they don't really care very your customer or your client or the people that listen to your stuff. Do not mind if every once in a while you throw out a promotion in the middle of it. Okay. Is that how you'd go about it, or would you do you throw your promotions into each piece of your good content, or what's the best way to do that, or do you have to feel around a little sometimes? You know, I've had really good, really really good results with just building my brand and telling people where to find me. I just say, you know, and if you need to work with me or you have questions I can answer, please reach out to me at www. I give them my website or ma at, and I give them my email address. And I've had really good, I mean, excellent results with that. Now, I'm not selling a product. I mean, basically, I sell myself, which sounds weird. (laughs) I mean, basically, I'm a consultant and a strategist. So I can tell them where to find me, and it all seems to work out really well. For people who have a product, it's a little trickier. I mean, you're selling scarves, and you need them to go and buy a scarf. So maybe we just consistently, every single time, say, hey, remember, you can get great scarves at my website. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. You know, if we really have an upsell, something we need to be branching off of, I think that's where webinars and podcasts come in. I don't yeah, no, I, and I never mind those either. If a scarf company wants to tell me about the, you know, the five uh, best um, scarf fabrics, and uh, you know where they where they're derived from, um, and why they're the best. And by the way, and as mentioned at the bottom, by the way, we happen to sell the top five, <laughs> these top five. I'm I'm good with that because I got something out of it. But it really, to me, it's really about. Can you give me at least seventy percent meat and twenty percent? Um, Promotion so that I, I walk away. I have a walk away. I, I get a golden nugget, uh, whether I purchase from you or not. Yeah, you know, Brendan Burchard. I, I like him a lot. You know, there's a lot of gurus out there, and I always think, oh man, your towel is slipping. But I <laughs> something something he taught me really stuck with me, and that's eighty five percent of people who hear your stuff will never buy from you. So if you really want to affect change and affect others, give it away in the eighty five space. So I give great, great content. And, you know, the other 15% will hunt us down. You know, I even think the percentage is off. I think it's probably closer to 4% hire us or buy something. And that's a good conversion rate. So, you know, if I really want a good brand, it's the 96% that I have to affect. So hiding your best 
stuff behind a curtain doesn't really work. You have to be putting it out there all the time, great content, tons of it free, and not through freemiums. I really mean social updates and social blasts, you know. Right. Well, ask me this then, because this is another thing that I see in the industry all the time, and that is people who believe that the web is a great place to sell stuff, but but, but then they try to, and, and it's it's rough. It's rough out there. Um, it's probably more of a better place to build build up the community and the resources and the friends and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to just selling out straight. Um, on the other hand, there's there's ad space. And there's affiliate, people doing affiliates and ad space and all that stuff. Um, I know that, you know, people offer me uh, all kinds of stuff to put ads up on my sites because I have good, you know, people, I have good numbers. Um, but they, they forget sometimes. They, you know, everybody's working on, okay, what's my conversion rate? And to be honest with you, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, um, the conversion rates are, are quite low on the web, and but that doesn't mean it's a bad idea to put your ads out anyway, because of top of mind awareness. Am I uh, am I am I making any sense? Absolutely. You know, you hear a lot of crap about Facebook ads being unsuccessful because of the click through rate, but the win, if even if that's the truth, then the win is the hundred thousand who see it run past the side of their page but never click through. You know. Mm-hmm. Because different ads every single week with the same demographics. So I like a regional demographic. So I go into Facebook. I put up an ad for New York City. I happen to choose men between a certain age and a certain age. And I just I know who my demographic is. So I reach the demographic, and I run a different ad every four days. I keep a low budget, and I keep it up there for only three days at a time. And that demographic is always seeing a different ad from me. Right. Is there a win from a branding point of view? I absolutely think there's a win. You know, am I getting a click-through win? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm using no, that's, you know, that's I'm, smart. I think that a lot of uh, marketers are taught the marketing 101 is all about conversion. And, you know, since uh, then they're working for a guy who wants to see nothing but ROI. But I think that that's, you know, I think it's a little over the top. And, and I, I wish more people would realize how important it is just to get your ad out there, uh, whether it's converting or not. Well, there's a few things. So first of all, the more often you do ads, the higher the conversion will be as you go through that process. You'll, you'll learn. Sure. And you'll get better and better at it. So not doing it because it doesn't work is just dumb. Keep doing it, and you'll get better, and it will work eventually. So that's right. only one piece. But then the other piece is, you know, whether or not people click through, seeing your ad as a win, and branding, separate from ROI, set which is return on investment for any newcomers, but separate from return on investment, branding is really important, and here's the reason. So I have a new client. They are a huge, big deal. They're called Free For All. And it's nothing uh, risque. They have um, an insurance discount card. So free for all is a great thing. It's, it's wonderful. There's no loss to anybody. If you Google them, you don't find anything. So there's a loss on them from a credibility standpoint just because they don't have a branded online presence. The fastest way to build that and almost for free is your social grid. So all we have to do is go set them up on the grid, put out great content for six weeks, and we rescued their brand. What if you as an expert, if I, you know, if I Google J.W. Najarian and nothing comes up or nothing current comes up, there's a huge branding loss. You know, there's 20 other social media people who want to steal my lunch, right? They want to eat my lunch. And if I'm not having great content out there, it's easy and it's right for them to take it. You know, it's got to be vibrant and it's got to be new. And that isn't always an ROI thing. I mean, this is a client who's fully ready and willing to hire you. You didn't have to get them through an ad. If you don't have mm-hmm. social presence, you don't have an online presence. So, right. And, you know, the other thing about YouTube videos is we can use them in spaces to add credibility where we don't even think of it, like LinkedIn. There's an app to LinkedIn called SlideShare, and if you pay for their paid version, which is only $40 a month, you can load 10 videos a month to your LinkedIn profile. So we don't even think of that as a video space, and yet it can be. And right. that's with your SEO. So this is a really important thing. The other, the other thing is, look, the best way to sell yourself is always face-to-face. Human beings can spot um, BS from 10 miles. I was trying to find another way to say that. From 10 miles <laughs> away, we know somebody's not genuine or authentic. 
Right. Likewise, we know when they are. So if you can't be face-to-face with somebody, video becomes your next best ambassador. Well, that's wild because it kind of goes into what I was going to ask you, and that is on the videos, if you don't like how you look and you don't want to be in front of the camera or every time you do it, it just doesn't come off right, you don't, is there, is it possible, and we talked about this earlier about taking content and making other stuff out of it, like taking a podcast and making it into a video uh, to increase the amount of content that you have out there. Could you just, you know, uh, talk into um, talk into a microphone, get your stuff done, and then add slides to that, like a slide presentation with text on it or pictures, and, and yeah, will that be just as good on the how-to space? Oh, absolutely. On PC, it's Windows Movie Maker, and mm-hmm. on the Apple, it's... Um, there's a few different ways. I like the one that comes with it, which is ScreenFlow. So you can right. play an audio track, and it's super easy. I swear anybody could do this. So you can pull in an audio track, and then you just drop slides. You can drop, you know, I suggest you change slides every five or six seconds, at least every ten. So you want, if you've got a three-minute video, you want to have, you know, about 40 slides. And right. you just Drop them in one after another after another. Make sure one in every six or seven slides is a picture of you. So we might not like what we look like on video, but we've all got a good few pictures laying around. So that's (laughs) where those go. Um, The same thing kind of works with Blog Talk Radio. When you go in there, you can load pictures to your upcoming radio shows. It's a wonderful thing to do to have five or six rotating pictures of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. I mean, you know, that's really good news to a lot of us out there that we can still do. And it is, and, and I really think it's great to do video, um, to do use podcasts for videos and then do text, mainly because I tell people all the time, you know, it, it's not about the numbers, but it is about the numbers. If I, if you're consistently, if I tell you, here's the good. Uh, lesson for you to learn about your blog. You need to put out stuff consistently and persistently. Well, that makes sense. So if you put out one a month, at the end of a year, you're going to have 12 pieces of content. You're, you're hardly going to be found by Google. On the other hand, if you put one out every day, you're going to have 365. But all of us can't put one out every day. So if you put if you put one out a month, let's put let's say you put one out a week, that's fifty four weeks, and you make it into text, a podcast, and a video, you've just increased that by three. You've that's a no brainer. Right. You rocked your social presence. If you put out one video a week, you have a transcribe, load the transcription to your blog as the written word, read it into blog talk radio. So using the same content. <laughs> there you go. I forgot about that one. Then you've got, I mean, Blog Talk Radio is my favorite place to podcast, but it's not like I have shares in the company. You can podcast anywhere. You know, you take that podcast, you load it out, then you load the podcast to your blog. I mean, you just cycle the same material around in different ways, and it's not cheating. People learn in different ways. People who listen to learn are not really visual. People who are visual to learn don't like to read. I mean, you know, just strategically how people learn. There's usually one way that a person learns better than others. So all you're doing is reaching your audience in a way that's best for them. You're giving them the option. Do you also help people get – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you get a library of content together, then you can load the video of one series – the verbal, you know, the audio of a different series and the written word from a different series. So you're not using the same content in the same week. You can get a nice stream of different content flowing out. Wow. No, all good stuff. Do you also tell people to uh, take their podcast and their their video and and allow uh, iTunes to pick it up? I do. I feed my blog talk radio shows right through to iTunes because it's a branding win with absolutely no work. Once right. the channel is approved, it flows through automatically. The only mm-hmm. problem that happens is, you know, I usually edit my blog talk radio shows once they're done and make take out all the ums and ahs or places where I sometimes I talk too fast for people to follow. And you can't right. once it flows through to iTunes, it's there. But that's okay. Look, here's the other thing about video. People worry about what we look like. Our audience doesn't care. Our audience doesn't care what I look like. They just want to know what I know, and they want me to be sincere in my delivery. So, you know, and I, you know, as I as well as I do, you can hear it on this call. I stutter and I stammer and I do a lot of us and you knows. And the truth is, uh, I've never had anybody really complain. And, and I've never noticed that about you. So there it is. I mean, we don't notice each other's imperfections past the first thirty-five seconds we meet. 
<laughs> the only time I notice it is everybody always seems to answer my question and answers it correctly. And then I go back and listen to it during editing, and I go, how did they understand what the heck I was asking by going, you know that thing with the thing of the thing and the thing? And they go, oh, yeah, that thing. I'm like, how did they figure that out? But my wife always does, too, so that's great. By the way, uh, you're in you're in New York. I'm in New York, right? yeah. You're in New York, and that's where people can find you. They have to go to New, in New York. No, I'm kidding. They go to – that's why your, um, your .com, it's rockawaywriter.com, because you're in Rockaway, New York. Is that correct? I, I, you know, it's where I grew up. I'm in Monroe, New York, but my .com, oh. I just got a new one. It's maryagnes.com, M-A-R-Y-A-G-N-E-S. Maryagnes.com. You pick that up? I did. I've been waiting for like three years. I just got my name, which is very cool. And the website's new. It's very cute. So it's easy to find me on my social spaces by going to the website. You can just click through and it'll take you to everything. Your other website was so pretty, but this one's actually so much more usable. So I really appreciate the new one. <laughs> Me too. I left the old one up. I mean, I have a brand under Rockaway Writer, and I want people who know that I. I mean, I got so many people that reached out to me after the storm here in New York because it's part of my brand, and right. I was able to say thank God most of my people are out of Rockaway, but definitely a huge part of my heart lives there. You know. Uh, well, hope you too, not too many people or friends or family suffered out there. That was a big mess. Yep, I hear it's working for yeah. So let's let's talk about what you do because we're um, so maryagnes.com. Very yeah. cool. Very I love that. And you um, and the reason you had Rock Rockaway Writer is because you did ghost writing and you also handle blogs. You're you you write blogs for people and we're not going to tell tell anybody who, but they would know them. Yeah. <laughs> you ghost blogging. You know what's like you, it's, not, it's not like I go out and write content and put somebody's name on it. I I usually interview the client and take their words and their thoughts. I just translate to the page beautifully. So that's yeah. Well. Yeah, we we like to goof around with that with you, but we know that you're very uh, integrous about that kind of stuff. So, not a problem. So anyway, social media strategy and marketing, social media trainer, sought after copywriter, ghostwriter, business developer, email marketing campaigner, other marketing, <laughs> yeah, other internet marketing, YouTube coach, traffic builder, blog talk radio producer, and there's and YouTube uh, strategist. All kinds of great stuff that you do out there. We can find you at maryagnes.com. Where can we find you on Blog Talk? Um, blog. If you go to my website, you can click the microphone and it takes you over to the Blog Talk page. Oh, that's cool. So at the very top of the website, there's all the social buttons, and that'll take you to some really good free content on everything. Well, that makes, well, that makes it easy. Okay, here's the, here's the biggie. This is a cool one. Um, I have, you know, I've kept you a secret for a very long time, so I can get all my questions answered without your phone ringing off the hook. But, um, you know, you're 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 moving on, and I, I've you have some courses, and I've taken your courses. They're very good, and you you limit them to numbers, and you keep them very tight. So. Um, you're about to say something. What is that? I do. I keep the classes small so that I can coach all the participants. You know, it's not like this, you know, it's, you know, some people are like, there's a thousand people on this webinar. And while that's impressive, I know that that person doesn't know who I am. I'm one of a thousand. So I keep my classes to about 30 people. No, it's great. I've taken your classes, as you know, because you've seen me there, and, and you've talked to me there. And that's the great part about being, keeping us small because you get to talk to you. And there's so much resource that you hand out during these things um, and so many questions that you're answering. And it's so funny because I've been to a lot of online courses, and people just sit there and let us some talking head or virtual mouth speak and speak and speak and speak and maybe there's a question answered here and there and then uh, after the so many weeks is over it's done okay and the story you have groups so people can get together and talk not only that i've noticed that when you start out everything um you have all kinds of people at different levels and the people in your classes have been with you a while and some have not but they're all actually doing the stuff that you're telling them because they come back asking okay my agnes i did what you told me last week here but this didn't work here and how do I get that? It's so much stuff going on on your calls. In other words, people are really learning, and that's why you get so many questions. There's a secret that most of my students know, and that's if you pay for the class, you can come back the rest of your life for free. So, <laughs> so that's what happens. I get a 
lot of students who come in and, you know, a really nice discount, and then they just keep, there's so, so many layers to social media, it's hard to implement it all. So if you come in and you take the course, just come and keep taking it over and over, and you get, you know, you keep developing your profiles in each space, and it, it just gets better and better. And the class runs now, it runs every 10 weeks. So you can take this, you can cover the same material at deeper levels three or four times in a year, which is awesome. I'm really happy I developed it this way. Right. So what are you, what are you teaching me? What's coming up in this in the class coming up? So the class starts again literally right now. I mean, it's, it just starts on Wednesdays in December, and it rolls out for the next 10 weeks. And the first series of videos, now I teach it by video and, and podcast. So the first Wednesday in December, all the videos on how to use LinkedIn, develop your profile, use the groups, advanced search to find the leaders in your industry, and how to use the Q&A platform, that all rolls out December 4th. Then there's a live back-and-forth exchange by Blog Talk Radio, so anybody who has questions, they can ask me, and I answer them. The whole group hears the questions and answers. It's really useful for everybody. It's almost like a mastermind. Hmm. Wow. The same exact thing happens, but we're focused on Blog Talk Radio, how to use the back end, how to create a podcast show, how to build a following. So all of this happens the 11th. Then the 18th, we do YouTube, and each week a different social space gets covered. It gets covered masterfully, I hope. I think it's a really good. I've got huge recidivism. My people who come back over and over and over and take this class. So they're not counted in my 30. I count the 30 as new students and the old students just audit the class in the back. Right. But it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I've just I've got, I've probably got about uh, probably 45 or 50 people who, you know, drop in. So what you'll have is somebody who knows that their space is, their best space is LinkedIn. So every time I teach LinkedIn, they come back and take it again to see if anything's been updated and changed. Right. Well, what's good, some of the good part about that, them coming back, is that uh, oftentimes I'm sure you learn stuff. I, you know, everything changes. So as we know, Facebook's um, pages have completely changed because now you have to promote your posts. Right. Did, you know, the slide share thing with videos, it didn't used to exist, so that's a new thing that I teach. And on and on and on and on. YouTube could be its own 10-week course. You know, I cover it in one, and, you know, then if my students need more, I give them more as we go by. But it's been a great space. It's been, you know, the only thing that I haven't taught that I'm going to teach now for the first time is Pinterest. So I'm excited. That'll be fun. You know, Google Plus, um, blogging for non-writers. It's, it's been a great experience. Email marketing. And, okay, let me ask you, I'm a WordPress person. What are you, Tumblr, WordPress? I'm a WordPress person, but I teach bloggers, too. If somebody's brand-new bloggers, easier for them. Oh, okay. I'm a That's WordPress cool. person. I think it's got better better search engine value, a better findability. But if somebody's brand-new to blogging and they just feel like it's too complicated, you know, blogger isn't complicated. It's really easy. So sometimes that's a better mm-hmm. space for them. Yeah, I'm using WordPress. People are always amazed to hear since I've been blogging for a long time. And um, i got a pretty good following that I use WordPress.com. Everybody goes, oh, no, you should be moving to a .org. And it's like, you know what? I, I know a lot of people that do that. Um, but uh, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> I don't do all the plugins and all the craziness. So yeah, um, Keep it really simple. I, I definitely, you know, gosh, there's so many layers to things. We can get better and better and deeper and deeper things. But at the beginning, do what you can. You know, right. don't, don't use the fact that you can't edit video as an excuse not to do video. You know, <laughs> just right. Don't don't leave roadblocks in your way. Just go out there and do it. Right. Do what my neighbor does. Call me. <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. She goes. Hey, I need you to do. I don't understand how to do this. Come on over. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Depends on resources are. Right, that's why you get you get to which, when you're starting this out, get all the kids in the neighborhood together and figure out which ones can help you out. <laughs> for sure, and you've got such a great class yourself. I mean, you put so much content out there for all of us. I mean, I'd call you eight days a week for help. You're wonderful. Oh well, thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate the kind words. So, can everybody find your classes on your site? Yeah, if you go to my website and you click work with me. Um, mm-hmm. it's Shows you uh, the eight-week social media course, and it shows you what's being covered 
this series, and it changes. So it's a cool class to take. It's evergreen, and, you know, if we didn't cover email marketing this eight weeks, then we swap it out and do it next time. So right now I've got lined up, here we go, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, blogging, meetup groups, and podcasting. Those are the eight things we're going to cover in the next eight weeks starting December 4th. And if you go to so you go to my website, maryagnes.com, click Work With Me, you can click through to register. And it's usually a $1,200 course. It's out there for 997 right now. I just think uh, if we can get more people to take it and help them build their brands, it'll be a win. And they can take it 100 times. You know, they can find their grandfathered in after that. Well, a lot of people will go, oh, this is really cute and everything, but if you know Mary Agnes the way I know Mary Agnes, not only are you going to get, uh, she's going to under-promise and over-deliver on every angle, first of all. Second of all, you have no idea how many major clients that I could bring up names that you would know who have tried and tried to get Mary Agnes to help them with stuff, and she's so busy that she's had to say no. So you getting in these places, if you, if you only knew the people that, count on Mary Agnes to get this stuff done, uh, you'd be honored to be in this class, that's for sure. Um, another thing, talking about that, I, I, I don't know how busy you are. I know you're, how busy you are with getting, working with clients, getting working on their, their, their projects and everything. I know it's been um, some crazy year. But one of the things you love to do, and so I want to offer it up, uh, you can tell me if I'm crazy, but that is, that's your speaking. You love to speak, uh, yeah. and so you're available to speak um, on all the different topics we talked about. Are there any more that you really like to speak on? <laughs> I really, you know, I love, I, I really love social media. I think it's such a great space for us to build a brand and a presence and, you know, glo- create global change if, if that's what you're into. I mean, there's no better way to do it. But I really also love to talk about finding ourselves and, owning our space no matter what that space is. So sometimes a talk about social media really turns into what is your brand and how do you discover it. And, you know, I teach write writing to non-writers, if you can picture that in your head. So I teach write writing, R-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-I-N-G, to non-writers. And that's always a really, really great thing to speak about because, you know, if you've got 20 minutes, even if you're not a writer, I can have you blogging in 20 minutes and feel confident about what you're going to blog next week and the week after and the week after. And I've taught that since I was 20 years old. Well, we didn't have blogs then, but, um, you know, since I was 20 years old, I'm teaching writing to non-writers. And um, thankfully, I've picked up some really good skills along the way. Not my own, you know, just other people's skills. Anne Lamott from Bird by Bird, um, she's a really great writing instructor and, you know, taking some of her exercises and teaching people how to use them. So it's, you know, it's not a win for everybody's conference, but for conferences where people are going to be in social spaces, being able to blog and write confidently is a win. Well, let's, let's talk for one second. I know I'm already over your hour, so I apologize. But um, one of the things that, you know, I talk, you know that I talk to a lot of authors, and I help promote a lot of authors, and um, you've done that too. And you've been a writer and a ghost writer, and you've been in that you've been in that industry in that realm a long time. One of the things I'm coming up with now is a contest, a POV, a point of view contest for authors, because I really want them to um, start getting into learning that you know you build it, they will not come. Just because you have a great book and with a cool title, that doesn't mean you're going to sell it. You need to get out there and you need to build up what you you know your that what is your compelling story what. Who are you? Why are you writing this book? Why are you the one that should have written this book? And why should we care? And so I'm just putting together a contest for that um, where people can win a play, win an interview, which is something you need to do is get out there and get interviewed and, and, and start building that resume and uh, start the promotional, you know, <laughs> powerhouse up, hopefully on the cheap or you don't have to hire a huge PR company. But can you talk just for a second on how important it is? Because after you write the book and you publish the book, you're, you're, you're only just started the journey. Can you tell us how important it is to really get out there and, and, and do whatever you can to market? And the things that you talk about are really great for the author because it really gets them into that space where they start to move and get recognized. Is that, is that true? Well, the thing for authors is you have to – I mean, even your publisher will ask you, what's your platform like? And they mean how many followers on social media, basically. But the other piece that happens is 
even with a great social space, you've got to do a bestseller campaign. So um, mm, it's huge. Yeah, understanding how the algorithm works on Amazon will really save people and help them to create a bestseller campaign. So we launched this year. It's weird that you say this. I mean, we, I don't even know if anybody knows. We launched a company called ViralMark. So there's a company out there that I won't name who has a sort of a puzzle that they put together around bestseller launches, and it involves getting 80 or 70 bonuses from other people. And so what you've got is a bonus page that goes on forever where you have to sign up individually for each bonus so it's exhausting to your user and your reader. And what you're doing, you're promoting 70 people who aren't your brand. So you're promoting 70 other people, and what happens? I mean, is it really a win for you? I don't know. So what I started doing was putting together best-selling launches, so I'll, I'll give you guys some tips here. You know, Remember that the Google, the Amazon algorithm, like the Google algorithm, right? They've got their own puzzle pieces. It's mm-hmm. not just it's not just how many books you sell. It's how many click-throughs to the page do you get on launch day? How many likes do you? Get? I always wondered why there was a like button on an Amazon book, but the right. how many people put, add it to their wish list? How many reviews do you get on launch day? How many video reviews? Video reviews are hugely weighted for Amazon mm-hmm. algorithm. Wow, I didn't know that. That's right. All of these things can put you over the top for bestseller. You know, that means number one to five in your category without even huge numbers of book sales. Well, let me let me stop for for a second. I just heard that if you get 100 people to go put a, um, what do you call it there, a recommendation in for your book, you automatically make the Amazon bestseller list. Is, is Is that right? Not exactly true, but it's very likely. So if mm-hmm. your category if your category is something everyone's in, like self help, it's okay. harder to go to number one in self help because you're up against giants like Jack Canfield and Marianne Williamson. But if you basically right. choose your categories and then if you get a hundred reviews, absolutely it's not a guarantee, but you're much more likely to reach bestseller status. A hundred reviews, you know what that means. That means you've got to have 300 friends who have committed and promised to do it on launch day. Friends, people you can truly count on. Why? Because two-thirds of the people are going to forget or not be able to do it. For whatever reason, their Wi-Fi is down that day. So, you know, when you're going to do an Amazon bestseller launch, you've just got to have all your in a row, and you've really got to have a rock and social presence to launch off of. Having other people's bonuses is not really a win. Do four bonuses of your own material. Bonus them the audiobook. Bonus them a webinar. Bonus them two coaching experiences. What? Bonus them stuff, but keep it in your brand, not other people's. And if you are going to use other people's bonuses, make sure they're aligned with your brand. You know, I'm from Rockaway, so, you know, having certain – I'm very pragmatic. So having certain people who are more about the secret or really lofty – Ideas, they're not really a great fit for my brand, you know, very, very mm-hmm. down. If it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate, love, or respect them, it just means it isn't my brand. So you've got to really look at what your brand is and isn't. And you don't want bonuses from certain people that are not in brand alignment with you. Wow. It sounds like it gets very complicated. So, it does. It's um, like the It's an octopus. <laughs> so you also owe it. So this is a service that you guys, uh, that you're putting together or you already have together, authors can use? We just launched it in beta. So the other, so I took, this is really exciting, I took 10 writers over the next 10 months and we've launched five of them already to bestseller status, every single one with a different formula. I don't need bonuses from 60 people to make it work. And mm-hmm. so far it's been extremely successful and I've created a co-op where these authors agree to launch each other's books without bonuses. So there, is, there isn't anything except reciprocity. You know, you launch mine, I'll launch yours, where there's brand alignment. So of the 20, they only have to commit to launch 10. Out of 20, 10 are going to fit their brand, or at least not be contrary, and they'll support each other's launches. So I'm hoping to create, you know, little, uh, little groups like this and then, you know, bring my own expertise to the table. I'll do their social media along with the launch effort and... You know, for a small fee, hopefully, um, it's a win for everybody. And for those who can't afford it, 
look, it's not a secret. I'm happy to just answer some questions and tell them how to do it themselves, as long as they're willing to commit the amount of time and work it's going to take. Right. And is this pretty affordable? You know, right now I charge $4,000 for a book launch, but I do the social media as well. So right. it's it's a solid win across the board if the person has the $4,000. I can say that's cheap. It that's is. Absolutely. I mean, my competitor that I'm coming in to compete against is double that, and their formula is dead. That idea of 80 bonuses from people you've never heard of in your life or and a few stars at the top, it, it just is bad for your brand. And, no, you know, and the other thing that it, the way you're doing it is a lot more organic, which which is really much more sustainable and better for your whole brand as a, I think in the long run. You know what? It's a wonderful thing. By the time you put a book out there, you've invested so much time and money in this legacy project. The book launch is a really important piece of that. No matter how high you get on the chart, at least you've announced it in a really professional, really great way to your audience, you know? Right. This is J.W. Nigerian with On Purpose Magazine. We're talking to Mary Agnes Antonopoulos at uh, maryagnes.com. Uh, for all things social media and for um, book launch and ghostwriting and just all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, <laughs> Mary Agnes, you do it all, and that's probably your biggest problem. You do too much, uh, which, keep, which keeps you very too busy. Um, but anyway, I want to thank you very much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. We really put out a whole lot of content today, and so I'm just really thrilled about that. And everybody, please go visit Mary Agnes and check her out and like her on Facebook and all that good stuff. And I want to tell everybody, have a great day and an even better tomorrow. So thank you, Mary Agnes. Bye. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.